Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. And before we get started, I wanted to um, call your attention to our VBS starting today. It's going to go through the 15th, so July 12th through the 15th. And we'll have a meal at 530 uh, for those that are involved, mm-hmm. and then we'll get started, I think, till from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock time frame and uh, have several several classes and I've even got a class going for the adults so if there's any adults um, that are going to be here and come over and we'll have a good time. Yep and it's not required you're not requiring them to have a child in VBS to come to your adult class right? That's right. So he'll take anybody he can get. That's right. Anybody. There you go. (laughs) Sort of like Jesus said go out to the hedges and byways and you know bring people in. There you go. Um, That'll be good. Absolutely. You'll do a great job with that. Um, And then uh, on the 16th that night of this the Thursday night the 16th we've got our family night too. Oh, and, right. and we'll get more information out about that um, via internet and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But be good. Uh, I'm excited about VBS. It's, uh, uh, I know you all sitting out there, you only see us and, and what you got right here. But the church looks really good. Lots of decorations. If you join us for our live stream, you'll see uh, the uh, at least what the stage looks That's like. That's right. The stage looks great. So they've done a great job. I tell you what, Glenda Brasher and uh, Marianne Todd and Leslie Harvey and then all the others that uh, teachers and workers and everybody, they've done a lot of work to, to put things together. Justin over here, he's always, you never get to see Justin. We do. Uh, Justin's done a ton of work on the video stuff and sound and, and those things. So it's going to be a good week. It's, it's going to be good. Um, I know. It, it's strange with the uh, coronavirus. And, and, and we do know. Let me, I'll say this. I, I put it in a Facebook video. But um, we are very aware of the coronavirus and the, um, the uptick uh, in cases and the need to be very careful. Uh, and so I'm going to share here just a little bit what we're doing Sunday school-wise. But please do know, for our Vacation Bible School, when you come on campus, um, everybody will have their temperature checked. So if you, know, if you know you have a fever or if you even have recently had a fever as of yesterday or something like that, we want you here, but we don't want you to be here if you're not feeling well and if you possibly have a fever. So um, you know, we will check all the temperatures of everybody coming in. Anybody over 100, you're going to be asked just if you would uh, return home. Uh, but, um, and then when you're on campus here, we're going to social distance. We've kind of rearranged things the, the way we've done. Kids will still have classes they go to, but uh, our rotations, instead of them going around to different rotations, they're going to go back to the gym, to the CLC, and all the rotations will basically come to them. That's good. So it's going to be cool that way. And uh, they'll, they'll be at tables. Each child will have an assigned seat. So whether it's in, in their classroom or in the CLC, they'll go to that same spot each week. So that'll help any kind of you know, germs transferring, all those kinds of things. Uh, as I jokingly said, you know, the only germs you're going to get are your own. So, uh, you know, you can bring them and you can keep them with you. But uh, but we're going to be doing that so to keep people safe. Again, we'll be sanitizing as we have been in between um, everything we do. But the reason for doing rotations in one place is that way we're not having to clean a bunch of different places. We can really focus on making sure we have the those areas really clean. So really the children will go from the CLC when they eat and do the opening rally to their room. Uh, and then from their room back to the CLC to do um, all the rotations. Now, PE may be done outside, not PE, but recreation may be done outside uh, so they can go out and play and get in the air, which is they, they suggest to be outside as much as possible Absolutely. anyway. Absolutely. Uh, and then um, and we're doing other things as well. But uh, So just please know, uh, as every church has to make decisions what they do, that's what we're trying to make the best decisions. And we felt VBS was important enough 
to continue uh, to uh, to do the in-person VBS this week uh, and make those provisions for uh, keeping everybody as safe as yeah. we possibly can during these days. So, and with that, uh, because of the uptick in the coronavirus and all that's going on, our initial plan was to begin in-person uh, Sunday school next Sunday, but we're holding off on that for at least two weeks. Uh, it may need to be longer than that, but uh, you know, my, one of my phrases is it's easier to cancel a meeting than to call a meeting. That's right. So I would rather have something planned and then say, well, we got to wait or, or not do it, then not have something planned and then try to do it. So as of right now, uh, we are going to try to start in-person Sunday school classes on August the 2nd. Uh, again, if the numbers keep going up or even if they um, keep saying that we have to be very, very careful, we may bump that back even a little bit further. So so next week, uh, Brett and I are on the second to last of the studies that we've been doing, and I'm going to be gone next week. I'm actually going to take a week off, take a take some vacation time, need to spend a little time away. So why? <laughs> Every once in a while, you know, and maybe maybe not for me. Maybe it's for best for the church that I get away. <laughs> People will be saying, "Take a vacation, please," you know. Um, but I'll, I'll be gone next week, so it's going to be Brett and a special guest uh, with the, the the final lesson. Uh, next week will be the God glorifying church. So. That'll be a, a good lesson. So Brett and the guests will do that. Uh, two weeks from today, Robert Viers, one of our um, Sunday school teachers uh, who was going to do an in-person, he's going to be a special guest uh, for us, and then we'll see what happens after that. So you're going to get to see some different faces. Uh, you may be very week. excited about that, too. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, you, you may just put me on permanent vacation, just say, hey, Dan, just, you know, you can get off the air altogether. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm excited about that. It's going to be neat to be able to see some other people, and you all get to see and, and do that. So let people know uh, and share uh, these things with people um, as we uh, continue to do these things. Yeah. So we're going to jump into today's Sunday School lesson. Uh, and uh, if you have your Bibles, I'll just say right now, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the... Beginning part of the Sermon on the Mount, the uh, the uh, the Beatitudes and uh, some of the beginning verses that that we find there. So if you uh, have your Bibles, you can look there. But I'm going to start with a word of prayer, and then we'll talk about uh, today's uh, lesson. Father, I come before you this morning, and Lord, I do thank you for your love and your watch care over us, uh, for the opportunity that Brett and I have to to be able to share this uh, Sunday school lesson uh, with all those that will have an opportunity to watch it, whether it's uh, right now or in the future. Uh, thank you for providing this technology. I, and again, I appreciate the people that you've provided to this church to make these things happen uh, for uh, those that have the knowledge and the passion to be able to uh, help us to get your word out into people's lives. So I pray that you'll watch over our lesson here today. Uh, help us as we study what it means to be distinct as a church, uh, that we uh, not only have this as head knowledge, but have it as heart knowledge uh, so that we can live it out uh, with our hands on a daily basis. Lord, uh, we desire to give you all the glory, honor, and praise this day. It's in Christ's name that uh, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, we're making a little bit of a shift here today in our study. Uh, we've been doing this uh, study built upon the rock, uh, talking about the church and church membership and what it looks like to be a member of the church, and, and all these fit together. Uh, but really, the first uh, five lessons, we focused a little bit more on the individual, like yeah. you as a church member coming into a church, your responsibilities and what it looks like to be a part of uh, the church. Um, uh, again, serving in the church and, and, and working in the church. Right. So that's been pretty much the, the, the focus. Um, and in that, I hope and pray that it's come very much across that we don't view churches and 
individualistic. Um, you know, your your faith is your faith, and it's it's a personal faith, but it's not a um, it's not a private faith; it's a public faith. Right. Uh, and so, when we talk about even individuals in the church, it's your responsibility. One of the phrases we used from one of the first lessons was the John F. Kennedy quote: "You know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country." Right. Uh, that really should be the phrase that we have when we go into a church. It's you know, don't ask what is this church going to do for me. Um, because as soon as that church doesn't do something for you, well, you're on to the next church. And that's not biblical. That's not what God calls us to do. There are times and places people need to move for different reasons. But uh, most of the time, God says you need to be in a, in a local body of believers. You need to be a part of that. You need to be a member of that church, formally united with that church, not just uh, uh, just just attending if at all possible. You, you know, again, I know there's a lot of circumstances, and we're talking broad brushstrokes here, but God gives us the church. So we've been looking at the individual and what the church, you know, your responsibility part right. in the church. How God can use you. Right. Within that place, yeah, and 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 your attitude in, yeah. in that. So, so we're making a little bit of a shift these next two weeks. Um, the the title for today's lesson is the distinct church. Uh, next week it's going to be the the God glorifying church. Uh, so we're we're looking more at what the, the how the church is viewed from the world or how the church should work in the world. Yeah, uh, you know, being a part of the world but not of the world. So the the main idea today is uh, the idea of being uh, distinct uh, from uh, the world around us, and that's that's a hard. Balance sometimes. Yeah. Um, one of the things Brett and I talked about when we met last fr- uh, Friday was the the difference between being um, how do we phrase it between being uh, appealing and appeasing. Yes. Uh, were, were, were the words I think we came to. That's right. And uh, sometimes, and it's not good to be appeasing. Right. Because uh, you know, you're giving up so much of what you know to be right. Sometimes you you stop and go, well, what do I have to do to make this person happy? Right. Yeah. And and when you're yeah, and when you're appeasing, you're you're saying, what can I do for you? As far as um, you're trying to fit into the culture. Right. Um, the difference between that and appealing is we should do our best to uh, appeal to those around us and be attractive to those around us. But never compromising uh, our faith, never compromising the truth of the gospel, uh, and ultimately, when we really get the gospel, when we live it to uh, to its perfection, and we never quite get there. As soon as we kind of get closer there, you know, something's going to happen. So we have to realize that just as individuals, we fall short. Churches do as well. But our goal and our we should strive to be uh, appealing in the sense of we want to present God in a positive way to the church. I mean, Paul talks about that. Not part of our uh, text here. This morning, uh, but uh, Paul says, I become all things to all people so that I can win some to the gospel. So in that sense, he's trying to make it appealing uh, to those by not uh, uh, making it overly difficult, but but never appeasing. Right. Never saying, well, we're going to adjust the faith to fit your lifestyle. Right. Um, we, we have to stand firm and strong. So that's that's the direction we want to go for the next 15 minutes or so uh, as we uh, as we talk this morning. So uh, kind of let that be in the back of your mind there. I'm going to let Brett uh, um, share a little bit about some of the things in the book, and then I'm going to let you read those first couple of verses of Scripture. Absolutely. The book did a really good job on the main point that they had for this lesson, and 
talking about being a distinct church from the world through our faith in the gospel and conformity to his character. So our faith and conforming to Christ. Right. Um, I thought that was good. I thought it was real good. And let's look at Matthew 5, 13 through 16 to kind of get a better idea of that. Okay. So you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I like that, uh, you know, the light shining on the hill, that, that's... That's what I always think of with the church, um, letting our, our light shine and people being drawn to that. Right. That's, yeah. that's, I love that. Yeah, light always overcomes darkness. Yes. Uh, and when we become what God wants us to be, uh, we are a reflection of Him, sort of like you know the, the moon reflects the sun and on those bright moonlit nights, uh, the, the moon has no power in of itself. It's just reflecting. It's just in a position to reflect the, the sun's rays back to the earth. And on those full moon nights when there's no clouds, uh, that, that light brightens everything up. It always dispels the darkness. And of course, when the sun comes up, it totally dispels the darkness. Absolutely. That's what what we should be doing to the world. Uh, and that's that's how we become appealing. <laughs> yes, that's exactly when, right. When that's... we really reflect who Christ is. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to agree with it. Right. Uh, in fact, those that are bent on living their own life in their own way, uh, denying the, the, the gospel truth. Uh, when Christ, the light of the world, came into the world, um, you had... Many uh, in, in the Gospels, uh, especially in the religious community, the established religious community, uh, who had the light in front of them, and yet they rejected it. And, and so it's going to be no different for us today. We right. can be properly reflecting the light of Christ to our world. We can be that city on a hill that is you know, shining so people can see, and there's going to be still some that's, that reject it. They don't want yeah. anything to do with it. And so that shouldn't stop us uh, from doing what we do. Uh, we should always be evaluating, are we truly reflecting that light? And if we can say honestly, yes, we are reflecting the light of Jesus Christ, then we don't base what we do off of uh, the response necessarily from the world. Uh, we, we base it off the response of being obedient to what Christ has called us to do, which is the point of the lesson today right. um, uh, of what we're called. And, and that's, you know, also that's hard, too, when you're used to getting feedback from people. It's a change of the way you do things because you want to listen to people. Right. And you want to take in their comments and, you know, hope that you're doing a good job. But sometimes you have to remember that they're going to not be for Christ. They're going to be doing whatever they can to tear you down. So you have to have a strong faith in Christ. Right. Know who you are. And, and the way we strengthen our faith in Christ and the way we become a better light is actually by listening to others. We shouldn't be afraid to hear other people's thoughts, thoughts. and opinions and, and, and where they are. That doesn't mean they're Right. Right. Um, but we do need to be willing to, to hear from them because that strengthens us. Absolutely. That, uh, one of the things I say quote, fairly often is uh, truth will always be truth. So it's okay if somebody challenges truth. If That's it's right. true, it's not going to change. You know, people can 
challenge the, 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 the truth that 2 plus 2 equals 4. They can say, no, it equals 5 or it equals 3 or whatever they want to say. Um, but the truth is 2 it plus 2 equals 4. Equals four. I mean, that's that, right. that, that is the truth. Challenge it all you want, um, but if you take an honest look at it, you're always going to come back to that solid truth of Absolutely. that fact. Absolutely. Uh, that is the same about the gospel message. Uh, people will challenge it. Uh, they'll question it. Um, but truth will always stay true, and Jesus proclaims himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. So he is truth. So I love it. Uh, so we, we shouldn't be afraid of that, um, to, to let people challenge it. And we, so we need to be out in the world, uh, interacting yes. with the world, hearing from the world, understanding why they are where they are and why they're coming from. Yeah, not hiding from it. Right. Uh, one of the sentences in the book that I, I thought um, really stood out to me, too, it says, the common theme of the images of salt and light is that Jesus' disciples are to be distinct from the world and so to be a blessing to the world. Yeah. And I think that's a key thing to, to remember here. Um, there are some people that withdraw from the world because they basically hate the world. You know, they, they, they don't want to have anything to do with the world, and they just want to cordon themselves off from that. And even churches can do that sometimes. That you know, We want to be our own little island, and we want to come and do what we want to do and never get out in the world. Well, we can't, we can't do that because... We, we are distinct, we're different, we're going to be different from uh, the world, the secular world, but we are that way so that we can be a blessing to right. the world. We should be making a positive impact in our world. Because of Christ, because of that distant, that uh, distinctness yeah. that we have. Yes, right. So that's, you know, again, if take nothing else away from the lesson, that's, that's really what we want you to take away today is how we balance that. And it's not an easy balance. No. Uh, because you get out in the world, and uh, I read a book a number of years ago called Messy Christianity. Uh, and it, it's messy because when you start working with people, when you start working in the world, inside the church and even and outside the church, it's not neat. It's not clean because of the fallenness of, of each and every one of us, because we all come from different places. But that's the beauty, too, of our faith. Yeah. Uh, is that Jesus Christ makes all things right and, and all things good. Uh, and so when we can be distinct in Christ, not just different. Right. Uh, somebody once came up to me and said, we're supposed to be peculiar. Well, and I, I've known some peculiar people, uh, and I'm sure some people have looked at me and said, he's pretty peculiar. You know, I mean, just depending on who you're looking at, you know, normal is what you think is normal, right? So, uh, you know, the, you're, you're always normal. Everybody else isn't, right? Um, Absolutely. But, but the Bible says we're supposed to be peculiar, but not peculiar in the sense of being weird, weird. or odd or, or anything else in 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 an abnormal way, but but peculiar in the sense that we are God's people. Yes. Uh, we are, he has called us and we're committed to him. We follow him faithfully. Uh, and that's what makes us distinct, not just different, you know, right. from not, not just a new and novel and, and, and unique um, in any way, but because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. So let's dig in a little bit uh, for the next couple minutes. And uh, the Prior to the verses that uh, uh, Brett read just a few moments ago are the Beatitudes. And so, Brett, I'm going to ask if you don't mind, um, read Matthew chapter uh, 5, uh, verses 3 through uh, 12. And, and again, this is the, the, the Beatitudes. And we're going to just talk just a couple minutes about that and how that fits into what we're talking about Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are, are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are, are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Good deal. Uh, we, we want to kind of camp out on these verses here for just a few moments for the remainder of our time. And a couple quick questions. I, and I, When I first read the question, it was like I, I struggled with it a little bit, but it's a really, really good question here. Um, what do the, the question was, what do being poor in spirit, mourning, being meek and hungering and thirsting after righteousness all have in common? Uh, when I first answered that, they all had, you know, they were all deal with being humble. Yep. Um, which I thought was uh, uh, at the heart of, uh, of each one of those. But then also, um, each one of those, uh, the book helps us understand this, reflects our sinfulness. Uh, you know, we mourn uh, or we're poor in spirit because we're not perfect in spirit. Right. Uh, you know, we don't meet God's standards because we, we're, we're fallen people. Uh, and so we, that that's a reflection of our sinfulness. We mourn, again, because of the, the, the wrongs in our own lives and the wrongs in the world around us. Uh, and so that that's, again, a reflection of sinfulness. So we, we need to be meek because uh, we need to be under somebody else's uh, authority. And so those are a reflection of our sinfulness, uh, our spiritual poverty, and also um, our need for a Savior. Yeah. You know, I just... When I would read this, I, I know uh, we were talking about this Friday too, but I've always looked at this as separate people. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm, I'm looking at these as separate individuals, but it, it's a whole. Right. And if we look at it as a whole, it, you know, as us, it changes the whole outlook on it. Yeah, we don't. This isn't a, a smorgasbord of you know. Well, I can be poor in spirit, but right. I don't want to be. I don't want to mourn, and I don't want to be meek. You right. know, <laughs> it, right? It, you take this is the whole package of what we're the supposed whole to look like <laughs> as as believers. The, the all the beatitudes. So, Absolutely. Um, which which means we go all the way down to the persecution. That's part of the deal too. Yeah. Uh, we we take it lock, stock, and barrel. The whole thing. So, but yeah, that's. I think that's good because sometimes we do look at that, and I and I would think some of us would be. Uh, our, our personalities or whatever tend to maybe uh, Absolutely. to fit some of these a little bit more, but we need to realize this is uh, the whole thing. Uh, that's a great point. Is that you know this is this is all that we're called to be here. So uh, so we need those humble qualities, and we're we need to be. Uh, what I say oftentimes um, when I'm sharing my faith and and other times as well is that without conviction there cannot be conversion. Right. Uh, to to Christianity, you don't just kind of just say, okay, well, I think I'll accept Christ today. Uh, there has to be something internally, uh, a conviction of your sin, Absolutely. a conviction of your fallenness um, that 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 you're short, which is what's expressed here in this poorness of spirit and, and mourning, uh, mourning over your sin and being meek. You know, you yes. can't you can't come to Christ in pride. You, you can't come to Him yes. boasting. Uh, you can't come to him like the Pharisee did in Luke chapter 18, you know, look at me, what a great guy I am. You know, I fast every, you know, three times a week and I go to church and I give my tithe and God, aren't you lucky to have me? You, you can't come to Christ like that. That, right. that doesn't fit these beatitudes. Um, and so 
Um, we need to have that conviction of our fallenness, of the fact that we aren't right, that we can't make ourselves right, and only Christ can do that. Yeah. And so I think that's reflected there in those uh, first three. Uh, but then the second question is this, you know, what do being merciful, uh, being poor, uh, I'm being sorry, being pure in heart and being peacemakers all have in common? Um, when I when I think of that, just instantly I think of, you know, they have something to give. Right. You know, they're, they're not missing anything or, or wanting anything. They're, they're giving of something. Yeah, and each and every one of those, you know, is is interacting with other people. Right. Uh, which, again, all these are a reflection of what God does for us. Absolutely. Uh, how he how he relates to us, um, and and focuses on, on who we are, and, and can we're called to be that reflection of Christ. Right. When you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you should be reflecting Him to to the world around you. Yes. Uh, and so we we should be see, being merciful. I mean, that's mercy is getting something we don't uh, getting something we um, don't deserve. That's right. Um, because of, of the grace of somebody else, uh, that the pureness of heart. So it's not just what you do, it's why you do what you do. Yeah. Um, I, I tell this story. I think we had enough time for me to tell a sure. quick story here. I, I still remember as a young man, I was a teenager. I was I was driving at the time, but uh, it was when I was still living at home in Ohio. So I was probably probably 17, maybe 18 at the time. No, I was 17 because I um, hadn't gone off to college yet. And uh, I, I'd gone to McDonald's. I mean, it was in Menor, Ohio, it was McDonald's, and I had gotten my order, and I was wanting to get out. I was wanting to get wherever I was going. I don't even remember where I was going. And there was this lady that was uh, broke down. She had a flat tire. Uh, and so I stopped, and I got out, and I helped her change her tire. And uh, she was just, oh, thank you so much. She was just so appreciative that I would help her change her tire and all that. And so I looked like I did something really good. The only reason I stopped, though, is because where she broke down was in a place I couldn't get out. And so I didn't want to wait for her to change her own tire. I wanted her. I I, I helped her change her tire because I wanted her to get out of my way so I could get going where I wanted I need to go. You to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if I'd gone, if I could, and again, I, and I'm not proud of that. You know, but that's a reality that that has stuck with me over right. all these years about the fact that sometimes we can do what looks to be the right thing for, for the, the wrong, wrong reason. reason. Um, and, and people will just pat you on the back and say, oh, that's so great, that's so wonderful. But you know what's in your heart. And, yeah. and that's where it talks about that pureness of heart. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, and, and that talks to our motives of what we do. So yes. uh, I hope and pray uh, that uh, my motives have been more pure <laughs> in the future since then. Um, and I always strive to, to, to get to a better motive and, and, and more pure in those motives. But you know, it just stuck in my mind that, that that lesson that I learned from that of my own personal life that, you know, it looked good, but it really wasn't good. Yeah. I mean, I, and I did a good thing. I mean, the lady got her chain, her tire yeah. chain, she got underway. So good came of it. But my my heart wasn't in the right, right. place there, uh, so, um, and uh, so I think that's part of this. Uh, you know, uh, all these things are are truly loving others and caring for others, which reflects God's character and His quality. Uh, the the next question in here, we got to kind of wrap up here fairly yeah. quickly, uh, is what do you think um, people who live or say why do you think people who live and act in these ways would find themselves being persecuted. 
you know, because that's part of these beatitudes. Is you, he doesn't say you might be persecuted, you know, get you know, uh, a little bit, but he says you're going to be you're persecuted, to. and and blessed are you when you are persecuted right. because of these that's, things. And that and that's a that's one of those things you have to get used to thinking about too. It's like I don't want to be persecuted, but you know, there's good in this because you're living a certain way, right? That is distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think I think we see some of this in our world today. I, I really have been wrestling with this question a little bit. Why would we be, we would we be persecuted? But again, all you have to do is look to Christ's life. Uh, he truly loved others. Uh, now he called people out. He, yes. he he said when when people were doing wrong, he. Um, spoke it for the truth that it was, and so some people obviously didn't like that. But the the, the totality of Christ's life, even when he was rebuking people, was done in love, was yes. done in a way to help them to, to grow and become uh, closer to God and to ultimately accept him as their Lord and Savior. So why would he be persecuted? Right. Uh, well, because people wanted to do things in the way they wanted to do them. Uh, and, and I do think when we live this kind of lifestyle, and that, that's what makes this lifestyle so hard, is that means people may take advantage of you. Yes. You know, the, the bad people out there. And again, that's some of the balance that we live in in this world today, too, yeah. uh, is how do we react to the evil in our world? And whenever we react to any evil in our world, uh, we can't be doing it out of, out of a selfish motivation. We can't be doing it out of a... a a motivation of anger uh, or or death or destruction. There should always be, uh, just as as God speaks. You know, He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. Yeah. Do the wicked have to die at times? Most certainly. Uh, is there a place for that? Most certainly, there is a place for that. But there should never be a a, a joy in that. There, and that's what I struggle with sometimes with some people in the, and how they relish. Well, let's just wipe everybody out. You know that that kind of that that anger, that kind of vengeance. Yeah. Um, again, Bible does say vengeance is mine, so there is a place for that. But our place is to reflect Christ and, and to live for Christ. So again, it, it's a it's having that right balance. Yeah, that, and yeah. Uh, and and when we're living for God, we are going to face you know persecution. Yeah. When uh, and if you're not being persecuted for your faith, you might want to question your faith. <laughs> so, you know, really. Yeah, no, that's, that's uh, right. And that's part of that difference between that's, being appealing and appeasing. That's right. Uh, if you're appeasing, then... You'll sh- never have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, people aren't going to persecute Mm-mm. you. If you're just saying, sure, do whatever you want, live however you want, you know, uh, all those kinds of things, then then there's not going to be, well, fine, you're, you're, you're good. Um, so we need to not be appeasing, but uh, we will be appealing when we're living rightly for it. Not to everybody, but to those that are seeking That's Christ. Right. Uh, people will be drawn to that. That's right. Um, and when we do it in the right way. Um, it, it's almost 9.30. One thing we want to kind of end with with this lesson, uh, there's another line in this that just really spoke to me. I thought the way it was worded, I hadn't thought of it this way. But uh, as we think about being distinct as a church body, it says the distinctness Jesus wants his people to have is this. It's a distinctness of both broken-hearted trust and faith-fueled obedience. That's good. Um, th- those two phrases, you know, broken-hearted trust. Uh, what, what, I mean, what comes to your mind when you think of that broken-hearted trust? Just humbled. You know, I I know that I need a savior. I know that I cannot do it without him. Right. You know, and so there, I have to have his help. I can't do it myself. And, and 
those were some of that brokenness comes from. I, I know that I have messed up, and I need forgiveness, and I have to trust in Him. Yeah. Uh, I, kind of the images that come to my mind are very similar there. When I think of something broken, it means it's not stable. It's, it's yeah. not together. Yeah. Uh, and so whatever that might look like, and so it needs to be put together. So uh, we need to be brokenhearted, and a brokenhearted trust, when I think of trust, I think of something that's solid and true yes. and trustworthy, something you can bank on and count on. So there, th- that brokenhearted trust, it's... Um, I don't know the proper English. Oxymoron. Yeah, an oxymoron. Thank you. Um, you're, the, you're the smart one here. Uh, yeah, an oxymoron of you know being brokenhearted yet trusting. Um, but when we're brokenhearted, when we're unstable, we have somewhere stable to go. That's solid. And that's Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of faith that we have to have uh, is a... a a convicted, you know, convicted of our own sin, but convinced, trusting in in God's righteousness yeah. and what He'll do for us. So that that phrase, that broken-hearted trust, that that's what makes us distinct yes. from the world. It's not a, you know, we've got this all together. We're perfect. We know everything, and 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 we're kind of working our own power and our own might. It's the exact opposite of that. Uh, and then that second phrase, faith-fueled obedience. Yeah. Uh, Again, kind of that uh, the uh, um, using the same letters there. Again, I'm uh, the not the assimilation. What is that when you use the same letters? Uh, my mind's going blank here uh, right now. Uh, alliter- it's alliteration, I guess. I don't know if it's alliteration, but faith fueled obedience. Yes, uh, we obey what Jesus Christ tells us to do, not in a you know, because uh, we're afraid of retribution, right. because God, you know, we feel like God's up there with a stick, you know, beating us. And that, so often, that's how people that's, view God. Is you know, He's this angry God up there, and He's just you know, beating you into submission. He just wants to make you look little and make you look small, so He can look make Himself look bigger. And that's and that's not it at all. No, it's so inaccurate to the, the the loving God that we have in this world today. And so it's a faith fueled. Obedience. We trust in God that He He has our back, that He loves us, that He cares for us, that what He calls us to do, what He tells us to do, is in our own best interest. Absolutely. That that's it's a really good point. I I, I like the way it's worded because it makes you think, and your faith is fueled on that obedience and His Word. Mm-hmm. You know. I, it's really neat. Yeah. When we can trust, when we really know that we can trust in God, when we have that faith in Him, then we can live for Him. In fact, one, one of my favorite verses of Scripture is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and I'll do the Dan Revised Standard Version here. Uh, so you may look in your translation. That, that's not exactly what it says. No, it's, this is how I translate it. Um, but it, but I feel like it's accurate. Uh, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because you have to first believe that there is a God yeah. in the beginning God. If you can get past those four words in, in the very beginning of the Bible, in the beginning God, if you can believe that God was there in the beginning, that there is a God that's that's created this, that we're not here by happen chance, by, you know, um, random. just you know, random thoughts or, or whatever, but we're here because of God's design. You have to believe that there is a God 
But not only that, there's a lot of people that believe that there's a God, but they, they see him as a capricious God, yeah. uh, as a God that's uh, uh, arbitrary, that's uh, uh, controlling, that's uh, even wicked and evil. Oftentimes people view him in those ways. He says, no, without faith, it's impossible to please God because you have to believe that there is a God, and then you have to believe that God rewards those that trust in him. Yeah. So, again, that's that faith-fueled obedience, that yeah. when you trust in him as your Lord and Savior, when you follow him faithfully, he's going to bless you um, and that, that he's a good God. Uh, so uh, those, those are so important, and that's what the world needs. That's what we need to reflect individually as believers, but that's what we need to reflect as a church, church. to our community. Yeah. We live in a world today that's hurting. Absolutely. I, I mean, 2020 is going to go down as, you know, that the, 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 this strange, weird year. I mean, not that none of these things have ever happened before, but we've lived through this now or we're living through it right now. Um, what? How are we as a church reflecting Christ in our community? Mm-hmm. And we need to be distinct. Uh, you know, whenever bad things happen, all kinds of people come around and do good things. And a lot of non-Christians come around and, and do good things. Uh, so there's, it's not just doing good things, it's doing good things because of our relationship with Christ. Yeah. It's that brokenhearted trust in Him, and it's that faith-fueled obedience in Him that makes us distinct. So uh, we have to wrap up for today. Again, I'll be gone next week, so it'll be Brett and a special guest. Uh, so tune in again next week. Uh, we're going to give you time to get ready and get to church here, even though I hear some thunder and rain yes. out there. Um, yes. Come on anyway. And uh, if you can come to live, come to the church, come worship with us. If not, we're live streaming at 10 o'clock um, here on our YouTube channel. I'm going to ask Brett, uh, if you would, close with a word of prayer, and we'll finish up for today. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for teaching us through it, helping us to understand who we can be through you. Help us to be those distinct Christians and a distinct distinct body of Christ at our church, for our community, for the world. Let us be that shining light, drawing people to you. Father, we love you and thank you for all that you're going to do for us and how we can live for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.